Did you want a new Does It Hold Up episode? As you wish. Did you want to hear about the greatest love story ever? As you wish. Did you want to know if the Princess Bride still holds up? As you wish. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Today we're going back to 1987 to talk about the beloved classic, The Princess Bride. Yes. <laughs> yes. Somebody's excited. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> since you're so excited, mm-hmm. why don't you start us off? Yeah. Do you remember when you first saw this movie? What, what are your memories of seeing this movie? My memories of seeing this movie are that we own the disc, like... I don't know exactly when it came about, but I know, like, my dad had a a whole part of showing me this because it was, like, required viewing in my household. It is so much the humor that I was brought up on that I feel like it affected the way that my dad did his humor and I tried to base my humor off of his. So I was like, yes, when when I finally saw this movie. And I've seen it, like, every year since. Okay. So like this is a once a once a year watch for you, yes. basically. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. I don't remember a lot of the times I've seen this movie. I've seen this movie a lot. It's all, that's all I know. Yeah. I believe the first time was probably cable television. Ooh, really? I don't remember like renting this movie from Blockbuster or owning it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I imagine it was just on TV one day and we put it on. I don't remember if my mom showed it to me, my sister showed it to me, or if I just happened upon it. It's one of those things. I'm going to steal a line from you. Yeah. In my world, this movie has just always existed. It has always been. And I don't know where it came from. (laughs) Now you know how I feel. (laughs) Yeah. Usually I'm pretty good about pinpointing when I've seen a movie. I can be Mm -hmm. like, all right, it came out in 1993. I saw it in 1996, blah, 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 blah. In this movie, I'm just like, I saw it. <laughs> it existed. Yep. I saw it. And I've saw it. Saw it? I've seen it a lot of times <laughs> since. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. For I do remember the first time, like, I sat and watched this movie, like, really watched. When I knew I was going to watch it, saw it on, like, VHS, mm-hmm. put it in, sat down, and said, let's watch this movie from the beginning to the end. Yeah. I was like, this is a really interesting movie. I didn't like a lot of it, but I liked other parts of it, but oh. I was young. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the stuff I didn't like back then is stuff I like better now, and the things I liked back then are the things I don't care about now, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. It's honestly of two times, and uh, I'll talk about that more when I talk about my Roger Ebert quote. Two two times? Yes. Uh, it's different for children versus adults okay well you brought him up so why don't we just roll right into that Mm -hmm. what did roger ebert say about this movie so he gave it three and a half stars Mm -hmm. which i was a little surprised by because up until this point i didn't think roger ebert did half stars i honestly thought it was just whole or nothing but here it is uh And the quote I grabbed from him was, The Princess Bride reveals itself as a sly parody of sword and sorcery movies, a film that somehow manages to exist in two levels at once. 
While younger viewers will sit spellbound at thrilling events on screen, adults, I think, will be laughing a lot. Okay. And that's kind of why I, I brought it up. And it, he actually was why I thought about it. It's like, because I saw this when I was younger and I've seen it now. And it definitely takes on a totally different meaning for both of the different things. As a kid, you're like, yay, sword fights. But as an adult, you're like, yay, the banter. Uh, so. Well, speak for yourself. Mm-hmm. As an adult, I'm like, yay, the sword fight. You can you can love the sword fight while also really appreciating the banter. I but just, as a kid, you probably no. only really cared about the sword fighting. That's very fair. Um, <laughs> I agree. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it is of two minds. It's got something for everyone. Yeah. Five-year-olds even can like this movie. Just look at how big Andre is. Oh, look at the sword fight and the horses. But then, you know, a 70-year-old's going to like this movie as well. Yeah. Because they're going to understand a lot of the humor and a lot of what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. You know. So, yeah, I'm with them on that one. That oh, yeah. actually makes a lot of sense. And I think that's why, like I said earlier, I've seen it a lot. But things I used to love about it aren't the things I love anymore. Mm-hmm. Because as I got older, the movie changed for me. Yeah. So... Yeah, very interesting. When it comes to... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I have certain things that I absolutely loved as a kid, and now I'm like, hmm. But most of it is still just yay (laughs) for me. Uh, Honestly, it's a once a year viewing, so... That's fair. Makes sense. So, we know what Aubert... We know what (laughs) Ebert... Jeez, I cannot talk today. I don't know how you're going to deal with this full episode. (laughs) Yep. So, we know what Ebert had to say when the movie came out, or when he got to see it back then. Mm Mm-hmm. What about now, though? So critics now, uh, the Rotten Tomato critic score has it at a 97%, but surprisingly only 79 reviews. I'm a little surprised by that. Uh, you know, when you get these older movies, they don't go back and review them a lot. It's they're like, kind of just uh, set in stone. Yeah. yeah. They're like, if you want to review, whatever. <laughs> Here you go. Go look at somebody who was alive back then and reviewed it. Yeah. So that doesn't surprise me as much. The 97 surprises me, though. Really? Yes. But that... Okay. Critics, I get. Yeah. What about the audience? The audience uh, had definitely more reviews. Everyone has reviewed this, apparently, because it's over 250,000 reviews. Uh, but they do have it at a 94%. Too high. No way. Too high. No. Too high. I thought... I'm, I am... I'll admit, I'm surprised. I thought it was going to be in the 80s, but I was I pleasantly surprised? Yes. At too high. Mm-hmm. I thought this movie was going to be, like, mid-80s for the audience. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be low 90s for critics. So I was completely wrong on both accounts. So one thing that I'm kind of wondering, especially considering the, the critic score, is are people... Like, do people kind of just see this movie as such a classic that they don't want to review it badly do you think that could possibly have a an impact why there's only 79 critic scores it yes i think a lot of those people are the ones who love this movie so much that they're gonna go review it and other people might have been like i'm kind of indifferent on the movie so i'll just you know it's a 30 year old movie 36 Mm -hmm. year old movie i'll just ignore it yeah i i won't even bother going and reviewing it and it could be what boosts that rating so high Mm -hmm. so was this one so this can't be certified fresh then because i think you need to mid 
meet like a minimum amount of reviews? I think it's 50 reviews. Why? Is this one listed as certified fresh? Uh, Do you remember? I don't remember, but hmm. I will look that up real okay, quick. Okay, yeah, look that up real quick. I'd, I'd be very interested to see, because I always thought it was like 100 reviews, and, you know, this one would be kind of close, but still far enough away that, you know, it's like one of the highest rated movies in a 97. There's not many who get that. It'd be interesting to know if, you know, it got there. While you're doing that, let me start touching upon the box office to see if it matches what the critics say and what the audience says. So domestically, this movie made... Did you find it? I did. Okay. What it, is, is it? it is certified fresh. Oh, okay. I think it is 50 reviews. That 50. Oh, that's not a lot of reviews to be certified. They should work on that. Yeah. Definitely should be a higher number. All right. So box office. Domestically, this movie made $30,857,000. Now, there's no hundreds, tens, or singles in that number. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if that's the actual gross or if that's an estimated gross if theaters back in 1987 weren't reporting on smaller movies as much, so we might not have mm -hmm. an official total. Yeah. It did make another $150,000 internationally since its release. I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> but $30 million, 1987, it sounds like it's a decent amount, but when we adjust it for inflation, it's $72,367,944. It's not a lot. It's not a lot, but it's not bad, right? You at least don't think it's bad, but it is. Mm. If this movie came out in 2022, it would have landed in the number 27 spot. Okay. Just outside the top 25 for the whole year. I'm trying to think what's but around that. here's where that falls apart. Mm -hmm. It's right above everything, everywhere, all at once. That only made $70 million. But that was a hit independent film. It wasn't yeah. supposed to even make the $70 million. It well outperformed what was expected. Mm -hmm. But here's where it falls just under. Morbius Oof. at $73 million. A movie that many consider to be one of the greatest flops of all time. And this movie didn't make as much as that when adjusted for inflation. But, you know, critics and audience scores say it should have. I don't know. That's why we talk about it. It's interesting yeah. to see. Well, honestly, you don't really see that many movies like this around that time. Like, you had Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap. This is, sorry. This is Spinal Tap. And that's, like, it. Like, I don't think I can think of any others that are of this strain. <sighs> Blazing Saddles, Three Amigos, Spaceballs. So few. Yeah. I wonder if they did any well, either. If, I, like, the audiences weren't ready for that kind of thing. I don't know. I probably should have looked those up, but I didn't think about that. That's not a thought that came up. So, very <laughs> interesting. Um... Yeah, so you ready to get into the actual nitty-gritty, get down to business about the movie? Oh, yeah. Let's do this. So this is a movie that starts off with a sick child, played by Fred Savage, the grandson. With an overwhelming abundance of everything showing that he lives in Chicago. Oh, yes. Or at least near Chicago. Yes, absolutely. A suburb of Chicago. <laughs> but he's sick and his mom has to go to work or something. She leaves for some reason. And his grandfather, played by the iconic Peter Falk, shows up to take care of him. 
By doing so, he's going to read him a book. And what's that book called? The Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Of course, it was the book that his grandfather read to his father, and he read to his father, or his son, and now he's reading to them. Yes, like, his father read it to him, he read it to his son, but now the grandson's dad's not around, so grandfather's going to read it to him. It's a book that's been passed down, but it's known as the greatest love story of ever time, of all time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the grandson is like 10 or 11. Yeah. Ugh, is this a kissing book? <laughs> One of my favorite lines in the whole movie. But he doesn't want to listen, but the grandfather's like, shh. It's got sword fights and all this stuff. It's fine. Listen. Yeah. And they start going into it. Mind Here's, you. Yes. The grandfather's voice is perfect narrator voice. Oh, like, yeah. Ugh. Oh, you know yeah. exactly what you're getting into because it's like a fantasy story, but he already seems kind of over it. Like, he kind of seems cynical about it, so. No, it's wonderful. Like Peter it. Falk is wonderful it. in this movie just as the narrator. I need his voice more often. But here's where my biggest problem starts with it. Yeah the narration really as good as it is it's overly used mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. they don't show me they tell me things yeah he the narrator tells me that our main characters are in love the movie doesn't show it so the yeah. story of the book is about wesley mm. who yes wesley wesley there is a t in there no yes i looked it up there's a T. But everyone calls him Wesley. It's fine. It's fine. The T is silent. Mm. Wesley is played by mm. Carrie Elways, who is from Saw and Robin Hood Men in Tights. And he is in love with... A ma- He's a farm boy, mm-hmm. farmhand, who is in love with the maiden that lives there, who is played by Robin Wright, named the Princess Bride, or Buttercup. Buttercup. Yeah, her name is Buttercup, but for some reason the credits and everywhere listed, all cast listing, has her just as the Princess Bride. It's super weird. But I'll, it's their, I'll have something to say about that later. It's their story. It's their love story. And basically, they fall in love because Wesley always tells her, as you wish. The most loving line of all time. Well, yeah, because apparently, as you wish, the entire time meant, I love you. Yes. And then she responds with, I love you too. But in maiden speak, which is, hey, can you get this... Uh, hey, do this thing. Water pail for me. And then he says, as you wish, and somehow they're in love. Yeah. And we don't know that other than the narration, because this movie, for the first 20 minutes, relies on that narration. And it's probably not full 20 minutes. It just feels like forever. Yeah. Relies on it. And it just is like, just start the story. Give, like, the first three sentences of, like, in a time long ago, in a land far away, these two people fell in love. End the narration. Let the movie speak for itself. Yeah. But the narration keeps going, and throughout the entire movie, it cuts back in. We jump back to the kid in bed, getting the story read to him. The narration again comes out of nowhere. It's too much. I don't like it. Just let the story play out. And then, when the story's completely done... Go back to the bedroom. Go back to the sick kid and the grandfather reading the book. Intersplicing it into the movie doesn't work for me. See, I will disagree with you there. It is a a good way to kind of show that maybe the story isn't exactly how it's supposed to be. 
because it is a uh, grandfather trying to cater it to his sick grandkid. Mm -hmm. And it's also a way to ease tension. So like the biggest one that I have is I'm jumping ahead a little bit uh, during the shrieking eels and he has to be like, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Cause that part can no. be seen as scary. Yeah. And for the younger viewers, it's kind of being like, okay, it's okay. Wrong. Wrong. We'll ease the tension here. Just let the movie play out. I, let it play I didn't out. mind it. I did. Maybe because I so. like his voice so much. Very, sure. But, you know, very much so. Did not like it. Right. Anyway, so they're going to get married. Wesley and Buttercup. But Wesley has to go get money first. So he sets sail to make a living. Mm -hmm. He's gone for five years. In that time, Prince Humperdinck, who is pretty much a jerk kidnaps buttercup mm, what no what within like the first year or so wesley is considered dead yeah. because his ship was attacked by the dread pirate roberts uh-huh sure it was in that time that well after five years basically that prince humperdinck was like hey uh want to be my bride okay no, like, he kidnaps her and no, forces her to be the princess bride. He, it's his right to choose his bride. But yeah, like, stupid. What a stupid... Oh my god. Could you imagine if that rule actually existed? Like, today? You know what? I am mayor of this city. I can choose my bride. Shut up. No, you can't. Yeah. What a dumb... Stupid. Stupid part of the story. But that, that part will come in later again because part of why i don't like wesley yeah so you're right he he is presumed dead yes but in reality he's the new dread pirate roberts which we will find out shortly in mm -hmm. the movie but buttercup does actually get kidnapped yes now yes she does by three men mm -hmm. vizini played by wallace sean anigo montoya played by mandy patinkin and fezzik the giant Played by my favorite, Andre the Giant. I'm a huge wrestling fan. I've watched all old tapes of Andre. Always been a big fan. Every time I watch this movie, he makes me giggle. He makes me feel like a child again. I love everything he does in this movie. Yeah. Talk to me about those three guys. What do you think? Honestly, Fezzik is a big teddy bear. I love him so much. Because his whole rhyming bit is so cute. The fact that he's not willing to, like just throw a rock at the the black the man in black um like everything about him is so cute but i i love them as a trio i think they're actually probably my favorite part of the entire movie is that whole sequence of like i call them their trials well, we're not basically. there yet stop jumping ahead i just asked about the people not about what they do just do you like the people i like the people there you go there you go <laughs> You like, like she the likes people. the people. I like the people a lot. Uh, which one of you the three are your favorite? I would say Inigo. I like his story a lot. Okay. We'll get into his story in a little bit. Mm -hmm. My favorite's Fezzik. Clearly, I just gushed about him mm -hmm. for a minute. So, But they kidnap her, hoping to start a war. Mm -hmm. Because they've been paid to kidnap her to start a war with a Guilter. nearby land. An enemy land that... The Humperdinck wants to invade and take over, basically. Yeah. So they kidnap her. They set sail so they can take her over there where they're going to, unfortunately, take her life and frame the other people. Yep. 
But halfway through, they're starting to get followed by a mysterious ship. And during this time, Buttercup jumps out of their ship mm-hmm. and starts swimming away. <laughs> this part, I love this part. So they're gonna get they're gonna get her, but they Vizini's like, no, 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 don't get her. The screaming e- eels, shrieking, shrieking eels. eels will get her. Mm-hmm. I was going to say shrieking, and then I was like, it's screaming, and uh, argument in my own head. <laughs> the shrieking eels are going to get her. Mm-hmm. This part is scary as hell. Yeah, those those eels look creepy. So creepy. Were you scared of these when, the first time you saw it? Uh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Were you scared Definitely. of them this time? Uh, I was more like, ugh. Like... Well, yeah, you don't like snakes. I don't so. like snakes. I don't like anything with no arms for some reason. Like, they just move really weird. So any type of eel is not my friend. They're terrifying. Like, still to this day, I'm just like, did she know they were there? Is she brave or stupid? Because. Um, I think it's a bit of both. Yeah, no. Get back in the boat. Yeah. Just get back in the boat. So she almost gets killed by them. But they do help her back into the boat. Although, I will say, funniest part, Fezzik whacking one of them in the head to like <laughs> go away i love that part you know what I, listen that eel jumped out of the water took one look at fezzik and was like oh i'm out of here. i'm out peace mm-hmm. ain't worth he it. went back in the water told all the friends and was like yo guys don't no nah, no nah, nah. not this one <laughs> wrong boat <laughs> so they keep going and they get to what i think is the cliff of madness insanity and cliff of insanity Whew. And they climb it up because mm-hmm. they notice they're actually being followed and they're trying to get away now. Yeah. So they climb up this huge mountain side and the man in black, who has been following them, who is the Dread Pirate Roberts, follows them as well. And mm-hmm. this is where you try to jump ahead. Yes. Vizini sets it up. Inigo Montoya is a master swordsmith. He is great with a sword. Best in the land. He's been studying for 20 years. To get revenge on a certain person we won't talk about yet. But they set it up. Vizini says, you stay here and you fight him. Mm -hmm. And you end him and then you come and meet up with us. Yeah. First trap is set. Vizini, Mm -hmm. Fezzik, Buttercup take off. Mm -hmm. Leaving Inigo behind. And this is where we get one of my favorite moments of the whole movie. Vizini cut the rope so that he'd have nowhere to climb up. So he's just climbing the cliffside. And Inigo says, you know, like, there's plenty of rope up here. I can just throw some down to you. And the man in black says. I I don't think that would uh, go with my health, seeing as you're just trying to kill me. Yeah. And they have this great little banter while he's climbing a cliff. But he does eventually take the help. Because Inigo swears on his father's grave he will let him get to the top chivalry and this is your first notice that maybe inigo's not as bad as you might suspect oh especially when after he gets him to the top he's like no no rest we'll do it when you're ready and that he's willing to go left-handed Ooh, jumping ahead a little again i see that actually came before vincini walks away yeah but man in black doesn't know this you get the nice little reveal later so Man in black, he's all good to go. And they start a sword fight. I love this sword fight. It's so much fun. It's playful. They use the set that they built 
beautifully. It's not yeah. just like a stand-in-place sword fight. They're running upstairs. They're jumping off stuff. They have like an Olympic bar that they swing on. Yeah. Like it's so funny and so good. That is the utter ridiculousness of this scene and it works. That's where the satire comes in of like mm -hmm. you've seen sword fights, but you've never seen one like this. Yeah. But then we get the reveal of an ego has been left-handed the entire using his left hand. Mm -hmm. But that's not his dominant hand. And he laughs and he's like, ha, 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 ha. I've been going easy on you. I've been using my left hand. That's not my dominant hand switches to the right and they fight a little more and then the man in black says well why are you laughing well i know something you don't i'm not left-handed either <laughs> and he switches to the right hand and then he goes shocked yeah. and mandy Patinkin's face in this moment is so good it's so funny because he's just like moment of oh no time to fight <laughs> yeah i love it so they, they do their fight, and Man in Black is better. It's just better. But in the middle of the fight, Inigo Montoya asks him if he has six fingers. He's like, you know, by chance, you don't happen to have six fingers. On your right hand. And the Man in Black says, of course not. He doesn't. And he shows that he doesn't. And now, what is Inigo Montoya's backstory? Why is he looking for a six-fingered six man? Because his father was a blacksmith. Who, may, who was commissioned to the most impressive sword ever. But when the guy came back to, you know, pick it up, he's like, I'm going to give you one-tenth of the price that I, I quoted. And uh, the, guy, the dad said, no, guy kills him. So now... And then gives an ego two scars, one on each cheek before mm -hmm. he leaves. And so an ego has been studying sword play for 20 years, or more like pursuing lately. And he's been looking for this guy ever since, uh, getting a little, you know, downtrodden because he hadn't found him yet, but that's his quest. That's his quest. Correct. Yeah. But the man in black bests him and instead of killing him, just knocks him out. Yep. Awesome. Because, you know, that's can't, apparently can't the good guy. Can't destroy a great artist like yourself. Exactly. Then Vizzini goes, oh no, the man in black is coming because they see him. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he must have bested the swordsman. Fezzik, take care of him. Fesic is like, how? And he's like, you know, do it your way. And he's like, oh, right, 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 right. What's, What's my, my way? way? <laughs> Just hug him. Just hug him. I love him so much. Grab a rock. When he sees his head, throw the rock at it. Yep. And Fesic agrees. And Vizzini and Buttercup take off. Yep. And Fesic's left behind. The man in black sneaks around. He's looking around. And a big boulder flies right past his face and shatters against the rock behind him. Mm-hmm. And Fezzik just gets this wonderful line of, you know, I didn't have to miss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk. I love gotta, this part. Gotta do it all sportsman-like. You know, it's, it's not his fault he was born the biggest and the strongest and the fact that he doesn't even work out. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is, it is a fun moment and it's another great dialogue piece between the two characters, even as they're kind of like fighting, but not like super fighting, you know? Yeah, I, I also love Fezzik in this scene because he's like, I'm going, I, he's going easy on him because he wants to make him feel like he's doing good. <laughs> it is so cute. It is such it's, a good moment. It's so good. And they fight, you know, without weapons, which the man in black is like, I'm pretty sure you have a clear advantage. He's like, no, 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 I'll go easy on you. <laughs> yeah. 
But the man in black ends up winning because he jumps on his back, puts him in a sleeper hold, and knocks him out. Mm-hmm. Once again, spares his life. He moves on. Then he comes across Vizzini, who has a table set up. And Buttercup's all tied up next to him. Yeah. And we play a game of wits. Mm-hmm. There's two goblets full of wine in front of each person. The man in black, Vizzini. The man in black puts Iocane powder in... Uh, yeah. What? Iocane. Yeah, that's what I said. Puts powder in yeah. a drink. Yeah. And the Vizzini has to figure out which drink it is. Because this is a poison that will pretty much immediately kill you. And it's tasteless and smellless. Odorless yeah. and just you'll never know. You just have to pick. Mm-hmm. We get this great like battle of wits where it's just like <clears throat> a normal man would know that you would switch the cups. But I'm not a normal man and you know I'm not normal. So that means that you know that I know that you know that I would switch the cups so that you would switch the... Yep. So Wallish. I clearly can't choose the one in front of you. Yes. But because you knew that, I can clearly not choose the one in front of me. Yeah. Wallace Sean crushes it it is inconceivable how good he is in this scene you keep using that word i do not think it means what you think it means oh it means exactly what i think it means right now yeah he is he is the highlight of this moment like carrie always is good buttercup's nothingness in the background the sword fight was cool fezzik's fight was cool this is classic yeah it's really clever it's so clever. It's clever in its almost stupidity. Yes. Of like, you're going a little ridiculous, but this is clearly the kind of game that you were supposed to be playing. So, yes. Yes. And we learn very important lessons right now. Mm-hmm. We learn to never get involved in a land war in China. Asia. Or Asia. Or go against an Italian when death is on the line. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. But Vizzini finally makes a choice, drinks one of the goblets, after that old trickaroo of, what's over there? Yeah. Switch, switch, switch. <laughs> drinks it. He's laughing. He thinks he's outsmarted him. Ha 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 ha. Dead. Turns out both of them were poisoned. And why is that? He's been building up an immunity to alkane powder. But why? You know, because Fungies? he's, uh... A pirate, and who knows, whenever he has to go into a battle of wits with a Sicilian. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> okay. So he saved Buttercup. Mm-hmm. Story should be over. Right? Except. She doesn't know who it is. It's the Dread Pirate Roberts, and she's scared. And angry, because that's who took her love. Yep. So they banter back and forth. They're angry at each other. They yell, blah, blah, blah. Um... She pushes him down a cliff, and as he's rolling, he utters those famous words. As you wish. Mm -hmm. And now Buttercup finally realizes who it is. I do have a moment right before that, is when I'm going to say that Wesley is also a jerk. Oh, God. They're they're both terrible. They're both terrible. Because he is, like, harping on her so bad for not being loyal basically and i kind of wanted to smack him and be like dude you were considered dead you you died did you expect her to not be with anyone ever again like yeah but also like why not just reveal yourself what's the secrecy for well he's mad that 
he so she's what? engaged to a prince like yeah if apparently you he did no research and finding out that like she doesn't want that apparently she thinks oh i hopped at the chance of this but listen take the mask off be like i'm alive y'all get on your ship and leave yeah does he forget he has a ship right off the cliffs that they they could get to it well they can't get to them anymore the prince and all of them are on their way from so, that direction there's other other things but he falls down the cliff says as you wish she realizes who is who it is throws herself down the hill as well instead of like running yeah she just throws herself and this part always makes me laugh because one that's absurd yeah and two watching the movie no matter how many times i watch it i laugh every time because it is so clearly the stunt doubles doing this routine and it's a big bearded man playing buttercup but here's the best part i don't know if that's purposeful yeah because this is a joke of a movie mm -hmm. that it could have been like we don't care just yeah. let it be seen yeah whoever it is in fact we're gonna get someone who's completely not her yeah to do this yeah. just for a laugh because you so, know it's always a stunt double so weird so weird yeah. but they get to the bottom they have a little moment the prince is coming, so they have to run to the fire swamp to try to escape. And the fire swamp is basically regular land, but every now and then there's geysers of fire that shoot up out of the ground. And quicksand, lightning sand, I think that's what they call Lightning sand is what it's called. And the ROUSs. Yes. Which I don't think exist. <laughs> Until they do. And they're just men in suits. <laughs> Little rat suits. Yeah. So they have to fight off the geysers. She falls into the lightning sand. He dives in and rescues her. The most super... romantic thing he does the entire movie. Yeah, super weird, though. Then he fights off an R-U-S, R-O-U-S, but it damages him badly. Yeah. When they get out the other side of the fire swamp, Prince Humperdinck is waiting to collect his bride and to see what's happening. Mm -hmm. And he's like, listen, we can fight, but you're clearly injured. And Wesley's like, well, we could just run. And he's like, yeah, but you won't. And he's like, I'll just kill you. And Buttercup's like, no, 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 don't kill him. I'll come back. But you have to spare his life. The two most romantic things that happen in this entire movie. Saving her from the lightning, her sacrifice. Yeah. The only time in this movie I ever think they actually care for each other is right here. That is also the only time that Buttercup gets to do anything. Well, she's the classic damsel in distress. She, she has no urgency, no agency, nothing. Yeah. She is there as a plot device, and that is it. Mm-hmm. So, mm -hmm. so she goes back <laughs> with the prince. Wesley gets taken by the guards. He gets tied up in a dungeon, and they're going to suck the life force from him, right? I'm not missing anything. That's what comes next? Uh, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. He's taken to the pit of despair. Yes. <laughs> with the albino. <laughs> mm-hmm. Played by, I did write this one down, Mel Smith. Ooh. And he's great. He is. But I don't know him for I much. I absolutely love the little gag they do there. Why did that voice of the pit of despair? Because then he, you know, coughs. coughs and talks in a normal voice. And I'm yeah. like, yes. So good. <laughs> so good. But the idea being, they're going to suck this life force from him with this new contraption that Count, what is his name? Rogan? Rugen. Rugen. Count Rugen created. 
little suction cups on you, and then a wheel spins, and somehow it takes the life from you. Yeah. Count Rugen is the head of the guard for the prince. He's, he's the right-hand man to the prince, does all the, the decision-making when it comes to, like, killing people. Mm-hmm. So they're basically going to kill Wesley. Yeah, why not? And they start the machine, and bad things happen. In the meantime, Fezzik and Inigo are getting drunk, just wasted in a nearby town. Fezzik's mad. He tries to get Inigo back together so that they can figure out what their plan is, what they're going to do. Dunks his head in a bunch of water. And, like, this part just makes me laugh because when he grabs Inigo's head, his hand is bigger than Mandy Patinkin's head. Yeah. And I'm like, "Eh, you have no choice. If Andre the Giant wants to dunk your head in water, your head's getting dunked in water. Where is your head? In the water. In the water. You don't even fight it. But they get it, and then they go, okay, well, we need to get into the castle. Because somehow he knows that Count Rugen is He's now the six-fingered man. Yeah. Don't know how. Yeah, this was part of my nits of characters know things that they shouldn't know. Yes. Uh, No people exist, no things that are going to happen. Yes. It makes very little sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, and here's here's the part where they try to reference that in some way mm-hmm. because he's like Vizini's dead but with your strength my sword we could do it we just need somebody who can make a plan yeah but Vizini's dead but i don't need him i need the man in black let's go look for him. and Fezzik's like how are you gonna find him like he could be literally anywhere mm-hmm. he's like it doesn't matter we'll find him and luck has it they find him yeah because After... go ahead uh buttercup's like He's the only person I love. Like, if you if I can't be with him, I'm gonna die or something like that. Like some crazy, you know, thing. Well, that they she don't says. know that. And they don't know that. But Prince Humperdinck gets so pissed off at this that he goes to Wesley and cranks the machine up to fifty as high as it can go and kills him. Yes. But just in time, Fezzik and Inigo show up. And save him. Yay. Mm. Applause break. They hear his dying scream. Mm-hmm. Think it's his, his heart breaking because a buttercup is marrying someone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, find him. Yep. Mostly dead. Mostly. And they rescue him. But they got to bring him back to life somehow. And how do you do that? Mm-hmm. How do you do that, Emily? How, how do you bring somebody who's mostly dead back to life with a miracle of course and who do we visit to get a miracle miracle max miracle max played by the effervescent billy crystal yes talk to me here i love this scene i i'm gonna say that a lot honestly because it's it's a funny scene where you know he's down on his luck he doesn't think he can really do it so he's kind of playing off everything that he could do by Prince Humperdinck. Yeah. He was the miracle worker for the prince who fired him. And ever since then, he's kind of lost his mojo. Yeah. Mm, he's not so sure of himself. So they're like, oh, you know, we need a good reason to be able to do this. He makes Wesley talk and Wesley says, true love. He's like, no. Nah. No, he says, foiven. To blave. To blave. Which means to bluff. Yeah. So like he owed you, you were playing cards. He owes yeah. you money. And then he gets interrupted 
by Valerie, Valerie, played by Carol Kane. His wife. Who is his wife. Mm-hmm. And she just starts berating him. That's As not what would. he said. As you would. You, he said true love. You heard it. It's true love. And she makes fun of him because he lost his mojo. She's like, and he's lost it ever since Prince Humperdinck. Why'd you say that name? You promised me you would never say that name. What name? Humperdinck. 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 <laughs> oh, my God. And when Chinigo finally brings it out that this is Buttercup's true love, if you heal him, Humperdinck is off his mojo or whatever. It's like, he embarrassment galore yes basically he will he will he will take buttercup and embarrass the prince if i save him prince umberdink will suffer all right i'll do it i threw my pen i got so excited at this scene i just threw my pen but so he decides to save him and he slips him this little chocolate ball covered in stuff and he's like this will bring him back to life but it's gonna take a while don't go swimming for like 30 minutes and other things and then he'll be fine what blows my mind about this part like just in general 90 percent of it was just billy crystal and carol kane just riffing off of each other really they had no script they had like bullet points of like things Mm -hmm. that that they needed to do but they were just like uh just roll just do stuff be funny and somehow it was really funny Except for Valerie gets a little grating at times. She's a little annoying, and I just want to kind of shut her up. Mostly, I think it's the voice Carol Kane put on, where I'm yeah, just like, yeah. oh, God. But maybe that was it's, the point. Yeah, definitely the point. It's supposed to be as grating as possible, and that's what Max has to deal with all the time. Yeah. Yeah, is two wonderful comedic actors playing off of each other, giving you brilliance in a moment that could have fell completely flat. Mm-hmm. So, in any other hands, would have fallen flat. Yeah. So they save Wesley, and now they have to go to the castle, and everybody gets to have a bit have a part in this. But when they get to the castle, there's like thirty men. Sixty. Well, there was thirty. Yes. Now there's sixty. But now it's got doubled, sixty. And some other stuff happens in the meantime. Like, uh, Buttercup is like, I love Wesley, and I'll be with him. And the prince is like, oh, Okay, cool. Yeah, go for it. Why don't you write him a letter, four four letters, we'll send out my ships, if we find him, if he comes back for you, I'll just let you go. Knowing very well he's killed him. Yeah. Yeah. The good, good bad guy. So they get to the castle, there's a whole bunch of men, and they're like, oh god, how do we do this? <laughs> and Wesley asks, he's finally coming around, and he's like, okay, what's going on? And they tell him, and he's like, alright, what are our assets? And he's like, well, you have my sword, physics strength. And your brains. And he's like, okay, not much to work with. <laughs> and then Impossible. He's like, yeah. And then if he's only like, we had a oh, wheelbarrow. A wheelbarrow and a cloak. And Fezzik's like, we do. They're over there. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, why didn't you list those in our assets? We got the cloak from Miracle Mas- Max's because it fits so well, he could keep it. <laughs> and the uh, wheelbarrow was under the abino, which they had to jog his memory. Yeah. So it's just... What a dumb moment, but I love it. Then they roll Fezzik in the cloak over to the guards, and then they light him on fire, and he pretends to be the Dread Pirate Robbers to yeah. scare them all away. Mm-hmm. It's a Brilliant. great plan. Oh, it's yeah. so good. What a plan. What a moment. And it works. They all run, except for the main guard who has the key to the door. Convenient. Yeah. Good thing he didn't run. Yeah. 
Well, I'm sure they would have tracked him down, but convenient he stayed. Yeah. They get into the castle. They're going. They need to find Buttercup, but they get stopped by a bunch of guards. And who's with those guards? <gasps> who's with those guards? Oh, you're actually asking. I'm I thought asking you were just going to say yes. Count Rogan. Rugen. 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 Count Rugen. He's there. And Inigo's like, I got something to do. And he takes off after him. Tis revenge. Which so leaves Fezzik and Wesley to do Buttercup stuff. Yeah. So they go to find her. Yes. Inigo needs help getting past the door, so Fezzik goes to help him. And he just sets Wesley down. Yes. Helps him with the door, comes back, Wesley is gone. Yes. Mind you, Wesley can't walk on his own at so this point. So where did he go? And how did he get there? Yeah. Good job, movie. All while this is happening, the wedding is taking place, you know, and uh, we get the best character ever. Of... <laughs> the impressive clergyman. That's his actual name. <laughs> That's his name in the credits, yes. Played by Peter Cook. Who did the most wonderful clergyman voice ever of Mowage. We are Gabba here today. <laughs> And, uh, you Ridiculous. know, goes through the whole man and wife thing. Man and wife. And they take Buttercup back to her room. And yes. she's like, this is it. I'm We're just, married. I'm going to end myself because I don't want to be married to this guy. And Wesley barges in and is like, don't do that. Wesley, so... Wesley's already in his room. Oh, right. She, he's hanging out on her bed and she just didn't even bother to look. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he's like, don't do that. It'd be such a shame. To spoil those beautiful Yeah. There's only so breasts. many perfect ones in the world. Yes. What an awkward moment. It's so awkward. But while that's happening, Inigo is fighting the six-fingered man. Wonderful scene. And it's great because he's getting whooped. Uh, the emotion got to him. He thought he was just going to like walk in, get his revenge. It was going to be great. But he's too overly ready, too and he overly gets, emotional. Uh, he, he's barging in so quickly that Count Rugen has a chance to, like, throw a dagger at him. And it catches him right in the stomach. Yeah. And then he tries to fight, but he gets stabbed, just like his father did. Mm -hmm. And they have a little back and forth. And as Rugen admits to everything he did, Anigo gets more powerful. Angry. And stronger and mm -hmm. angry. And he's going to get him. And he does. And it's beautiful, beautiful moment. His here. acting there, like the the way he's saying those words, the his line basically, and saying them. What is his line? We haven't said it yet in this. I, I know. So what is it? Hello, I'm not. I'm not going to do the accent. Yeah, that would be don't. terrible. Please. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. die. Yeah, and he keeps saying that like over and over and just more aggressive every time he does it until he's just screaming it. And I'm like, that is so powerful. Yes. Like, and then he's got Count Rugen on the ropes. It's over. He's won. And he's like, you know, beg for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Tell me you'll give me anything I want. And Rugen's like, anything, anything, name it, and it's yours. And we get this powerful moment of him just saying, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. As he stabs ah, him. Stabs him. <laughs> Dead. Oh. Mandy Patinkin's acting in this moment is just so good. And I think that comes from a place of realness. Mm -hmm. Because he said in interviews that he unfortunately had lost his father to cancer. And before filming this scene. Or, you know, 
a little ways before making this movie. Yeah. And so when it came to that, he pretended the six-fingered man was cancer, and he was actually asking for his father back, because it was only like a year had passed since his father yeah. had, had gone. So it, clearly he, he reached down and found something real in that moment, and by golly gee, it worked. Yeah, so cute. Cute? Yeah. Not sure that's the word I would use here. Like, moving. Yes. Fine. Very moving. moving. It, there's tears in his eyes, and you, you really feel it in that moment that Inigo wants his father back, but knows he can't have him. So he does the best, second best thing is get revenge. Yep. And that's it. His story is complete. Yeah. It, well, this is all happening. Fezzik is nowhere to be found. <laughs> no. He's, he is, he is kind of not important to the story until the very end at yes. this point. So we go back to Buttercup's room. Where Prince Humperdinck walks in mm-hmm. and sees Wesley there. And he's like, okay, let's fight. We're going to fight. Yes. And Wesley's like, but wait. Because he still can't move. The, the cure hasn't fully kicked in yet. So he's just stuck there. He, he can talk and he can like move his head around. But that's about it. Yeah. So the prince is like, we're going to fight. And he's like, no, no, no. First, let me tell, what I, tell you what I'm going to do to you. We're not going to fight to the death. We're going to fight to the pain. And then what's he say he's going to do to him? He's going to cut off various bits of him until he looks so grotesque. But leave his ears so that everyone can, so he can always hear when people are screaming in terror at the sight of when him. When all the little kids look upon his horror and scream... You will be able to hear that with your perfect ears. Yeah. And somehow he bluffs his way through this entire fight, scares the prince so much that he gives up. Talk about to blave. Yeah, to blave. <laughs> perfect moment. Oh, yeah. So good. Well, because he does do the whole stands up and like, I could be bluffing or maybe not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, holds his knife to him and that's when... Humperdinck <clears throat> gives up, and uh, it's not until Inigo's like, hey, you know, help him, because he's not fully strong, that Humperdinck's like, I knew it! I knew you were bluffing! Yeah. Uh, it's a perfect moment, but also, like, a really dumb moment. It's one of those ones that, like, each time I watch this movie, I go back and forth on this scene. Mm-hmm. This time, maybe I loved it. Next time, maybe I don't, and back and forth and back and forth. What What happened when you watched it this time? I didn't love it. It's fair. I don't love the bluff. I think it's a cheap way out. I think, like, I know he's good at plans and he's good at talking. That's why Dread Pirate Roberts, the original, or the guy at least, who was original to him, yeah, didn't kill him because of his talking. He he talked himself into it, right, mm-hmm. into not being killed. So I know he's a good talker, but it's very anticlimactic. And I know we just got this sword fight with Inigo and the Six-Fingered Man, but yeah. I needed something here. I don't know what. Something of the main people? Like yes. The, the end to their story, really? Once again, secondary in their own story. Yeah. So it just needed more, and it didn't work for me this time. Mm-hmm. I think it didn't work for me last time. I think as I get older, it's becoming more apparent that that ending doesn't work for me. In fact, in my notes, I even wrote bad ending. Because it yeah. just, it is. Although, Inigo gets an even better ending. Yeah. So, that's it. They Everybody's getting their, their ending. Inigo got his revenge. Fezzik is there. 
Um, Buttercup is back with Wesley. Fezzik gets friends. What? Fezzik gets friends. That's fair. Then Wesley is back with Buttercup. Everybody's happy, but Inigo goes, I don't know what to do with my life now. I spent it's... 20 years trying to find this dude, and, and now it's over. Now it's over. And Wesley goes, hmm. You might be good at piracy. I think you would make a good Dread Pirate Roberts. And Fezzik is like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Cause I'm he's, in. He's all in. Whatever Inigo's doing, he's there. Yeah. Everybody They're needs like a Fezzik friends. in their life. Yes. Um, so... That's it. That's the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. We go back to the kid's room and the kid is like, hey, oh, that uh, was such a good story. Come read it to me again tomorrow. Yep. And it's like, I don't think you want to hear the same story two days in a row. Yeah. But, you know, you do you, kid. You do you. Yeah. All right. What do you got? I got, I mean, tons of things. Number one, it's a knit of mine. Yeah. Wesley is shown to still have, like, no strength. And yet he can ride a horse perfectly fine at the end there. <laughs> they just ride off into the sunset. A buttercup's riding it. It's fine. No, they they have separate horses. Shh, shh, shh. Shh, Don't Don't question it. Another knit of mine? Yeah. How the heck they got through a, a whole book in one sitting with interruptions. You know how hard it is to read a, a book in one sitting? Yeah, I read books and uh, I could not do it in one day. Absolutely not. Mm. Now, granted, if the book only took me an hour to read, sure. <laughs> No way that's only an hour story. Actually okay. reading it. My nits. Mm-mm. Interrupting narration. Hate it. Get rid of it. Throw it out. It takes me out of the movie every time it happens. Okay. Uh, I also think the movie was too fast-paced for the first 30 minutes. That's my other nit. It's fair. Just, it, it's so fast, and then just hits a wall and stops. What other nits you got? I went through my nits. Okay. Pretty much. I got questions. You got questions? I do. I have tons of questions. Ooh. Yeah. Let me start. Okay. Why the f- do they love each other? Because the story said so. Because the script says they do. I don't. I don't like it, and I don't get it. And I don't either. I honestly. Uh, yeah. It's. It's like so the bad. crux of this movie is their love. Mm-hmm. And it's stupid. And it makes zero sense. And if you sat down and you said, are these people in love? If you asked me, you put a gun to my head and you said, are these people in love? I'd say absolutely the hell not. No. You've shown me nothing to mean that they're actually in love. Yeah. Call me a liar for the rest of my life. Throw me in jail. I don't give a crap. I will never admit that these people are in love because they are not. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Why did Fezzik and Inigo work for Vizzini? Money. He didn't seem to have money. Uh, they were being paid by Humperdinck mm-hmm. to do it. And at least one point of the movie, Inigo says, I was working with Vizzini to pay the bills. Like, there's no money in revenging. Yeah, I just feel like they'd be so much better suited doing other things, but I guess they wouldn't get to travel as much. So he wouldn't yeah. be able to find the six-fingered man. Yeah. I don't know, it just always struck me as weird. I'm like, you guys are such better suited to so many other things. Like being a part of the Brute Squad. Yeah, how did you how did you end up with him yeah um yeah okay what do you got uh is buttercup the worst part of this movie buttercup sucks is she the worst part of the movie no i think wesley is the worst part of this movie oh okay okay i guess i'm skipping ahead to hot takes (laughs) yeah Um, my hot (laughs) my hot take is wesley is a boring protagonist and the worst part in the movie 
Yeah. He's, he's, he sucks. He's very Mary Sue where he can just do everything. It, and he does, he's so witty, like, all the time. But he doesn't even, like, do everything. Like, Inigo beats himself because he's... Arrogant? Arrogant. I guess. Fezzik beats himself because he's compassionate. Yeah. Vizzini beats himself because he's overconfident. Yep. His sin was pride. And then the minute somebody else isn't doing work for him, he gets his ass handed to him in the fire swamp. He can't fight that rat. He yeah. gets kidnapped. He gets the life drained from him. He doesn't even do anything at the end except bluff his way through, which I absolutely hate. He sucks. So he's the worst part. Buttercup's the second worst part, yet they're supposed to be the focus, the love story we care about. They both suck. I like your hot take, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it kind of goes along with mine. So <laughs> I'll get to that when I, when it's So yeah, they both it. suck. What other questions you got? Uh, is this a commentary on corruption in the government? No. You don't You're think so? You're thinking way too hard into this. Okay. Movie. Cause I was going to say he pays someone to kill his fiance to start a war. Yeah. Nope. I mean that, that stuff just kind of happened back in the day. All right. <laughs> just, okay. Whatever. Uh, whatever needs to get war. That's all that matters. Is this the most quotable movie? Oh, oh God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, will I say think it's Star mine. Wars is the most quotable movie of all time. Hmm. This is very close, though. I think this has. OK, let me rephrase that. OK, I think this has more quotable lines, mm -hmm. but something like Star Wars. No, I am your father is way more quotable. Does that make sense? I guess. This isn't the most quotable movie of all time, but it has the most quotes of all time. Yeah. But really, like, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't even know if I believe that. Because really, what does this have? Oh, no, I guess it's got three. It's got quite a few. Inconceivable. As you wish. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And... I have... I have, uh... My... My favorite line in there okay well we'll get to that we'll get to that uh i think there's a lot more like maybe this is just me of how mm -hmm. much i've loved this movie is i can quote most of the lines okay. from this movie so that's probably where i was coming from but like to me this is the most quotable movie that's fair that's fair uh you got any other questions one final one okay reboot sequel prestige or untouchable um you know untouchable just don't touch it. Just that was my thought. <laughs> okay. Well, here let me let me follow that up then. Mm -hmm. Miniseries, streaming miniseries somewhere. I don't know if I would do this exact story, but I could see following some of these characters. Why not this exact story? Like, I think it moves too fast, and then like they don't actually fall in love. There's there's a lot of problems here. You could fix that up with a ten episode or eight episode miniseries, eight hours each. It's fair. You can have a whole episode to their love and yeah. why you actually should care. But put that like in the third or fourth episode slot mm. so that people are already invested and then you get that real emotional episode. Mm, I don't know. I think I'm going that actually. I think I'm going to say this should be a miniseries. They should okay. remake it into a miniseries. Hard to do because you don't have those actors anymore. Uh, new actors. It's fine. Mm. It's fine. Maybe. We'll make it work. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix, get on that. You make a bunch of crap. Yeah. My my hot take is not all that hot anymore since we both kind of agree on it because <laughs> okay. I said the romance is literally the worst part of this movie. 
because yeah. it, it makes no sense. There is nothing to it, and it's just both of the characters are kind of eh. Yeah, just mm. like I like Fezzik and Inigo way better. I would love to see like their romance, a buddy cop movie with the two of them. Yeah, their bromance happening, and they're like, you know what? Going back to your question, mm-hmm. uh, let's get a sequel, but let's get a sequel of Inigo Montoya being the Dread Pirate Roberts yes. with Fezzik as his right hand man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're sailing the seas, but instead of doing bad things, they're doing good. Ooh. They're good pirates. I like it. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I like it a lot. Take that, Pirates of the Caribbean. We got a better <laughs> idea. There it is. There it is. <laughs> All right. Awards time. Awards time. Awards time. Psycho shower scene. Award. What is your most iconic scene? Not the most iconic scene. What's mm-hmm. your most iconic scene? My most iconic scene is Inigo getting his revenge. Okay. It is just so powerful. It's one of the most emotional parts of this movie. I like it so much. Hey, you really just want an Inigo movie. Yes. I got it. I got it. Yes. I, I'm not mad Give at that. Give me more Inigo. I'm not mad at that. Mandy Patinkin is still alive. Let's get it back. Yes. Let's do old man Inigo. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, sorry. <laughs> what uh, about you? But we don't have Andre anymore. Mm, yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll get the big show to do it. Paul White. He's he's no Andre. No, but he's just as big. Uh, my psycho shower scene is the sword fight between Inigo and Wesley. I think it's mm-hmm. so creative, funny, but also really interesting, cool, and effective. Yeah. Like it, it hits every single when they talk about making a movie, you always want to hit like those four quadrants of like kids, teens, adults, you know, like family friendly, I think is the four. Like you want to hit all of them, right? Mm-hmm. That sword fight alone, I think hits all four quadrants. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I was gonna say that scene encapsulates everything that this movie is really about that this movie wants to be yeah it wants to be that sword fight but it can't be the whole time Mm -hmm. but it gives it to you in like a five to ten minute stretch of just great banter great action humor seriousness everything you could possibly want Mm -hmm. is in that sword fight that's a really good beautiful start and an even better even better ending i like it that's my psycho i like it a lot that's my most iconic Next up, we have the... Life uh, finds a way. Award. Mm-hmm. And this is, once again, your most iconic line. Yeah. Not the most iconic line, because we all know what that is. But it's your most iconic line. Now I want to know what you think the most iconic line is that everyone knows. As you wish. Okay. <laughs> That's what I thought, but I was like, might be the Inigo Montoya one. Mm, uh, it, it's, it's a 1A, 1B type thing. My actual one is... Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle! Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye! Love it. Every single time. I, in fact, I use this one, too. Not as often, unfortunately. You tell people to storm the castle? I do. Have fun storming the castle. I do. Actually, if I'm going to tell people, like, you know, go have fun doing something crazy, like, it's like, have fun storming the castle. Like, I do actually use it. Oh, not God. not all that often, I will say, because I don't get that many opportunities to yeah. you know, do that. But if I could, I would. Because just the voices, 
everything. The fact that they're like, it'll take a miracle. Like, I, I, we just gave a mirror a miracle, but it'll take a miracle to work. I, uh, <laughs> I love it. I kind of want to gather a bunch of people and build a fake castle and then say we're going to storm it just so you can live out your fantasy of being able to say, have fun storming the castle. Yes. I need someone to be my Valerie, though. Yeah. We got to find somebody to be your Carolyn Kane. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> what about you? It's a great pick. I, it's one of those lines that I completely forget it's in the movie until I watch the movie and mm-hmm. then I laugh at it every single time. Yeah. But when the movie's over, I'm like, like, I legitimately forgot that line existed until <laughs> you just said it again. And then I like think back to the movie and I'm like, that's so funny. That, I love that moment. That line is in my brain all the time. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I love that line so much. Mine is inconceivable. That's it. You can just say that for anything. Just inconceivable. Just inconceivable. Oh. <laughs> just just inconceivable. Nothing else to it. Just inconceivable. Just because you can use it for whatever. Anything. You don't because know what it means. It doesn't matter. Whether you use it right or not, does not matter. Mm-hmm. And the minute you say it, somebody's going to look at you and finish it and go, hmm, you keep mean. losing that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Guaranteed. Yeah. If Every- you're in public and you scream inconceivable, people are going to laugh. And somebody's going to follow it up. I saw a video with uh, that same actor in it. And like so many of the comments were just inconceivable. Yeah. And it was so funny. That's our video. Yeah. What do you mean you saw a video? It's our video. We put it out on the Does It Hold Up social media. We make daily fun facts. If you guys aren't subscribing on YouTube, you should do that. Because it's a lot of fun, our daily fun facts. You can also Mm -hmm. find them on Instagram and TikTok um check the description below for links to those but we put one out it was about clueless yeah and, he and the teacher wallace sean plays the teacher in clueless for like one scene only mm-hmm. and people are just like oh my god that's wallace sean oh my god inconceivable inconceivable and it was just like yes yeah i love it that i think that's one of those lines that just transcends everything and like yeah. i said Go on public transportation and just say inconceivable loudly. Watch how many people laugh and listen for how many people either say to their partner or say out loud or say it to themselves the rest of that line. The only line I think is close to it in my book, my my runner-up, mm-hmm. was the, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. Because once again, if you start that line, the other person will finish it. Yes. Yes, Guaranteed. Yeah, so... Maybe you're right. Going back to your question, maybe this is the most quotable movie of all time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's a conversation to be had. Yeah. That might be a, a rolling question going forward as we do these movies. Is this more quotable? Is this more quotable than The Princess Bride? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have the Han Shot First Award, mm-hmm. the thing that held up the worst since this movie came out. The. Uh top five kisses in all of history and this one put all of them to shame and then it's the most boring ass kiss yeah so it's that encapsulated by like the romance the romance is the worst part okay it does not hold up because it i remember it being like oh this is how romance should be and now i'm like oh no Mm -mm. that's fair that's very very fair (laughs) um what's yours have fun storming the castle. Really? Kidding. I'm oh, totally I was kidding. Say. 
You almost broke my heart. I'm totally kidding. I, like I said, I completely forget that line exists until somebody brings it up. So, no, not at all. Uh, mine is Buttercup. I think, why would Wesley waste her time? Waste his time. I mean, waste her time, waste, his, waste everybody's time. Yeah. Just, but her. Like, I know the romance is absolutely garbage, but I think if it was any other woman that he was going after, it could work. Mm-hmm. Or if the character was just written better, it yeah. could work. She was crap, and I would have went with Wesley here, but he was my hot take about how crap he is, so I didn't want to, like, double up on him, yeah. so I went with Buttercup here instead. It's fair. But you could pretty much flip and flop them however you want. It's true. Buttercup could be your hot take, and Wesley could be your holds up the worst, because they're awful. They're awful apart. They're awful together. Yep. Wesley should have never taken the mask off. He was way cooler as the man in black. Truth. So, you know... I need I need a prequel to this movie where we watch him be the Dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah. Because that's apparently the only time he works. <laughs> Freaking idiot. <laughs> but she sucks too. Like mm-hmm. she just cries for help all the time. Like, dude, you're gonna this you're gonna take the easy way out? You're not even gonna do anything? You're not gonna mm-hmm. like you're stupid enough to believe that they actually sent ships to deliver letters you've sent to a guy that may or may not have left? Like, are you dumb enough to not know your your current fiancé guy killed him? Like, you're an idiot. And I can't get over how dumb she is in this movie. Yeah. All right. Final award of the evening is the Paul Rudd Award for the thing that held up the best because Paul Rudd never ages. No, he does not. And he holds up. He is fine wine. Ah, so well. So who's getting your Paul Rudd Award? Uh, it is a general concept of the humor. It is honestly my favorite thing about this movie. The thing that keeps bringing me back to this movie is that it's very humorous without being super over the top. Like it doesn't linger on anything too long. It does the joke. And if it lands, yay. If it doesn't, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Basically. And yeah. I just, it it is my sense of humor all the way. So like it, brings me so much joy to watch this movie because of that humor okay yeah uh i like it mm-hmm. i agree it's not my paul rudd award but it's my runner-up paul rudd award yeah in fact it's actually the paul rudd award i have written down next to paul rudd it says the humor but while we've been doing this podcast i had a change of heart okay my paul rudd goes to the side characters mm. as a whole Mm-hmm. Of just, we talked about how crap Buttercup is and how crap Wesley is. Prince Humperdinck is awful as well. Like, I don't even want to talk about him. But he's kind of supposed to be. Exactly. So he kind of serves his purpose, but uh, yeah. fine. But everybody else is so good. Mm-hmm. Without them, the movie doesn't work in any shape. Yes. Any way. Does not matter. Does not work. Mandy Patinkin is perfect as Inigo Montoya. Andre the Giant is probably one of the most lovable characters I've ever seen in a movie of all time. He's up there with Paddington for me, and you know how much I love Paddington. You do love Paddington. Like, Paddington's a 100% movie for me. Paddington 2 is a 100% movie for me. But both Paddington movies are perfect for me because I love Paddington. Fezzik's almost on that level for me. He's, like, right there. But Vizzini even has, like, great moments before he's gone. Uh, Count Rugen is, like diabolical and you're like wanting the revenge miracle max and Car- valerie are just priceless in their like yep. five minutes of screen time 
that's all the stuff that works in this movie. The oh, main yeah. stuff doesn't. Yeah. Hell, I'd take the grandson and the grandfather over Wesley and Buttercup too. So put them in part of this as well. <laughs> it's every single side character except Wesley and Buttercup. The protagonists are awful. So the award goes to everybody else. I all like right. it. I like it a lot. Why don't you start our wrap up here? Give your final thoughts and your decision. So, like I've said multiple times, this is almost a yearly viewing for me. I have loved this since I was a kid, and that is no different now. Do I see things that I didn't see before? Do I find faults where I didn't before? Yes. Does it ruin the movie experience for me? No. Do I think people can still find a lot of joy even on their first viewing of this movie? Yes. And for that reason, this movie holds up. There's something for everyone in this movie, and even though it's not perfect, it is still really, really good and a lot of fun. Okay. So we watched this movie for the podcast, and there were a lot of things that I liked, but I found myself not laughing nearly as much as I normally or used to laugh watching this movie. I don't know if I've seen it too much or if I was looking at it too critically this time. Something was missing in this viewing. Will my answer change on a next viewing? Possible. But as of right now, this movie did not hold up for me. I Blasphemy. Yeah. Come attack me. Come whatever. I know everybody, everybody hates me. This is two weeks in a row now I've said a beloved movie doesn't hold up. But this one in particular, <laughs> even more so, the jokes, like, I laughed more at us talking about the jokes mm-hmm. than I laughed at the jokes when they happened in the movie. Oof. I also think this movie comes to an absolute standstill once they get out of the fire swamp and okay. Wesley gets kidnapped. I think we get the great part with Miracle Max, but in the second half of the movie, that's the standout part nothing else i know anigo getting his revenge is a great moment but it's just a great moment not a great scene a great sequence Mm -hmm. miracle max works as an entire scene the first half of the movie is too fast paced it it comes and goes in the blink of an eye but that's the things that really work that i want more of so i think this movie's just a hot jumbled mess and we all look at it with rose colored glasses because like i said we laugh when we tell each other the jokes. We laugh when you say as as you wish. We we cry when you say hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. We smile at each other when you say inconceivable. Everything works when you're talking about the movie, but in the movie itself, it just did not work for me this time. So, I, like I said, I'm going with this movie does not hold up. And it kind of hurts my heart to say that because I think I love this movie. But I love it less after this viewing. You'll have to watch it again in a few months or even in a year and see if your answer changes. Yeah. If you don't have to be watching it to do a podcast, does your vision change? Does it? Yeah. I'd be very curious. And I'm not saying you can't have fun with this movie. You can watch this movie and you can laugh and you can. And I think people can still enjoy it. But I think the movie itself is more overrated by viewers with nostalgia 
than the movie actually is. I think a lot of those reviews, the 94% from the audience, probably came from people who haven't watched it recently, who just remember it, and were mm-hmm. like, I love that movie. Pfft, high scores. I wouldn't be surprised if some of those 79 critics did the same thing. They watched that movie 15 years ago, and now they're just writing, or, or they even just submitted a review that they wrote 15 years ago, and they haven't revisited the movie recently. And I'd be very curious if we made every single one of those people watch the movie again, how that number might change. It would be interesting because there's definitely people who would just be like, yes, it's great. Watch it again and be like, oh, no. I mean, we've had that issue with uh, in this podcast of watching a movie we'd watched a long time ago and watching it again and being like, this is not how I remember it. Yeah. I mean, when we covered big same idea of like oh this movie's such a classic i love this movie oh mm-hmm. god it does not hold up there's a lot of problems here yeah mean girls i know is the same way for you where it was like you can still watch the movie and find some enjoyment but at the end of the day you can admit to yourself it's not a good movie yeah and this is kind of the same way for me right now yeah i'll i'll keep disagreeing because I, I i stick with my sorry my not thought, sorry guys <laughs> i'm not bashing you for yours because yeah. i can i can see where you're coming from yeah it's just, it's interesting, but mm-hmm. all right, guys, that's it. That is uh, the podcast for The Princess Bride, October 9th, 1987. I was one and July, August, September, God, I was one and three months only when this movie came out. I wasn't even. I hope of. I didn't watch it then. <laughs> Maybe I did. Who knows? Anyway, you can come check us out on all our socials. Uh, does it hold up one three at on instagram and twitter tiktok is does it hold up with an underscore between each word we also have a facebook page and a youtube come check us out on those as well that's where we post our daily fun facts you can also find the podcast there or just anything else that i'm thinking that i want to tweet out uh what did i tweet out today i tweeted out something dumb today i don't remember what it was um but it's also where we leave you know little fun questions that you can come answer you can let us know what you thought about the podcast over there as well on youtube you will also be able to access our special episodes i call them special i don't know if they're really special they're, they're super special they're super everything we do is super special I was gonna God. Say, we're special God. um <laughs> inconceivable <laughs> But it's every other Friday we put out an episode that is YouTube only. There is one this Friday. And if you listen to last week's podcast, it was all about Titanic. Obviously, you just got done listening to The Princess Bride. This Friday, we're going to go into a little bit of a deep discussion, give ourselves about 20 to 30 minutes to talk it out. Has Hollywood set up unrealistic expectations for romance? So come join us this Friday on YouTube to check out that video and Find out what we think about that. Great discussion to have right before Valentine's Day. Absolutely. We're going to ruin it for everyone. Uh, And if you have thoughts on that, let me know on Twitter. In the meantime, thank you so much for watching. We really can't do this without you. We're so happy you were here and that you could join us. And until next time, keep watching movies. Bye. Bye.